0: welcome to the ramen in japan podcast episode number seven i'm here today with logan sullivan aka ramen bay you can find him on instagram at ramen bay 11. welcome to the podcast
1: hey thanks man i'm happy to be here
0: happy to have you probably not too many people have heard of you yet maybe introduce yourself a little bit uh tell us why you're today on the ramen in japan podcast
1: yeah, I've um I've been a part of the ramen community, I guess, more as a lurker for the past couple of years. Um, I'm in the Way of Ramen, or I guess now the, what, Ramen Network Discord?
0: Yeah, that's what it's called these days.
1: Yeah, I don't, I, I kind of look, it's a lot of stuff, a lot of people in there, really cool community, but I don't um, input a whole lot. I just kind of occasionally peek in there and look at some stuff. But yeah, I was a, I guess you can say, ramen chef. I, I don't like to use that word necessarily. I know a lot of people have talked about this, but uh, I have no like culinary training or anything. Um, but just to keep things simple, like I'm technically uh, the former head ramen chef of a Japanese restaurant um, in America, uh, North Carolina. And I was only there um, while I was waiting to come teach in Japan. So I just got to Japan about six months ago and after I graduated college in 2020, the year of the shit show, I uh, moved back home from Florida to North Carolina and um, started making ramen, my first job in a restaurant or anywhere in food and basically just worked there until I left.
0: So tell us a little bit more about this whole um, restaurant and ramen experience. Like how did that uh, come together? Like, how did that happen? And maybe you can tell us the name of the restaurant, if that's okay.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, It's called Hakata. It used to be just a teppanyaki shop with some sushi, you know, some hibachi. Um, But now I believe the name is Hakata Teppanyaki Sushi and Ramen. We got a new sign last year, uh, which is really exciting. Um, It's been around since 89. So really old... um, Really old Japanese shop, you know, good local spot, been around forever. And um, the reason I started working there was because, um, why well, I've, I've known the I know the owner, and I've, I've been going there forever. My parents have gone there. And I, I was born and raised in the same in the same spot, Jacksonville, North Carolina. And yeah, I I was making some ramen casually uh, in college a little bit. Once I got my own place. Um, my grandma she 's from okinawa so i 'm a quarter Okinawan, so I grew up uh, with her around and eating Japanese food all the time, specifically okinawa soba so like that 's actually my favorite like if you put down two bowls and you know Okinawa soba versus any bowl of ramen and you I had to pick one or the other forever i 'm choosing Okinawa soba, <laughs> but uh, I do love ramen
0: so the okinawa soba that 's uh, a pretty rare choice i think not many ramen heads would uh go for that one um that's yeah for sure must be the the nostalgic value it's let's talk about okinawa soba uh a little bit later i think it's a it's an interesting topic to dive into a little bit mm-hmm. um okay but so you then you went back there and then somehow you ended up um making ramen for yourself or also for others
1: well yeah so i um i had been to Japan twice before coming to college and i was i'm from a small town so there's no ramen i mean there's like a kind of niche community of okinawan people because there's a the biggest military base on the east coast is in my town so you get a lot of uh like obachans from okinawa from you know world war 2 like my grandma and so there's a small community of them in my hometown so there's like one place two places that have Okinawa Soba, there's one Japanese small little Japanese market um, and just like a good community like I said of, of those there. Um, so I was already introduced but I had my first bowl of like Japanese in Japan ramen in 20, 2012 I want to say um, and it was like 13 or yeah 13 or 14. So that really was a you know, game changer and I came back to Japan in 2017. So in college and was able to, you know, have a little more agency with like, hey, I'm with my family, but uh, I want to get some ramen. You know, this I've only had a couple of legit bowls and I had a hankering for it. Um, So when I got back from that trip and had, you know, had a couple bowls here and there, um, I found a spot near my university in Tampa, Florida and went there a lot like I was there all the time. I was known by my friends just to be uh, you know crazy about ramen I ended up eventually moving across the street from that ramen shop not not because of that but uh it just so happened um, and the year leading up to that I was making a lot of ramen because I was like I said I was going to that ramen shop a lot and as a college kid that's that's expensive I could not afford the American priced ramen bowls you know fifteen dollars and up um, so I was like man I think I can make this I've you know growing up around my grandmother cooking, my parents cooking, Japanese food. I feel like I have a decent understanding. You know, I I eat a lot of it. I don't cook a whole lot, but I think I can make some ramen. And I made I tried to make a shoyu ramen for me and um some of my friends and it was so horrible. The worst thing I've ever had. <laughs> and I was like, oh, "Wow, this I couldn't even I couldn't even make it." I don't remember I don't remember if I actually tried to serve it to them or not, um, but it was horrible. And I was like, all right, well, I got to try again. You know, I um, I tried that a couple times, and then it just became a fun challenge, you know, to try and get better at this. This was probably 20, 2017, so after I came back from Japan, and uh, I would have ramen parties every maybe other week or so with my friends would come over, and most of them are not asian or japanese so they don't know they're like oh this is delicious and i'm like god this sucks this is horrible you know um but then i i moved into my own place across from the ramen shop and i started really grinding on, on uh, making ramen started getting it into my own noodles eventually and at this point i for some reason hadn't looked at reddit or anything so i didn't know ramen lord i didn't know all of these recipes i kind of just knew the basics and was just doing my best at trying. Um, And then right before COVID hit, I was like really getting into it, making it a lot. And right when, this is when I started my Instagram. So like, that's when I really started making it a thing. I had been having ramen parties for, at that point was 2019. So like two years, I've been having ramen parties with my friends, trying to get better. Uh, And then I stumbled onto, you know, the Reddit and the ramen community and it was like, wow, I have been missing this for like four or five years. There's all of this, all of these resources already available. And, um, that was when it really, I saw a change big time in my ramen making. Um, I eventually stopped going to the shop across the street just because I felt like I could be making, you know, not necessarily better. I mean, they're a legit shop, at least for America. Um, and then quarantine, you know, COVID hit and I had nothing to do except for finish school and make ramen. So the, um, the restaurant back home, the owner, he, he's, he's half Japanese. His dad's from Hakata, Japan. Um, so he wanted to put some ramen on the menu there just cause, uh, COVID was not, as we all know, it's not great for, you know, the restaurant business, most businesses, but specifically restaurants got hit real hard. And They were making most things from scratch, you know, like gyoza and whatever, 300, you know, every couple days by hand. It's just not a good, uh, it's not easy. It's not an easy thing. You're not making a lot of money off of it. So he was like, man, I love ramen. Got to put ramen on the menu. And, uh, he ended up connecting with me like, Hey man, I seen, you know, you've been making ramen heard you've been making all these bowls. And I want, I really want to make a tonkotsu ramen. And I, at that point, hadn't tried to tackle tonkotsu yet. It was kind of a very intimidating beast. I was trying to get you know Shoyu ramen. That was pretty much pretty much it. Um, hadn't really tra- ta- tried to tackle Shio just because it's very refined, um, and Shoyu just seemed pretty classic, pretty simple. Uh, and whenever he he hit me up, I was like, I don't know. I'm very apprehensive about trying to to get this, but I tried making it, and I think about. A little less than a year later, I was back home, and I made it. After I had moved from from uh, my apartment in Tampa, I moved back home, made made my first batch because I made it. I made it, and you know, at school, and I was like, "Oh, this is good. This is pretty good." I think I figured it out. He, my boss he put in like something like 700 hours of making ramen, trying to make a good tonkotsu ramen, and he said there was always something missing. So I came, I came home. Made this for him, brought it to him, made it, and he was like, "Holy shit, this is amazing!" You know, this something something is um, this is the secret. Like you you figured something out, and really, I just basically put some MSG. <laughs> 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 like I put MSG in there along with some. I mean, like I made uh, a miso tare, mm-hmm. and was just you know playing around with stuff. But he, I was like, I think MSG is a big factor, maybe, and amplifying this which is pretty hilarious.
0: That usually is the secret, the secret sauce when people think yep. uh, or wonder like, why is this stuff so addic- addicting? Uh, <laughs> MSG. It's usually it's <laughs> straight up MSG. I mean, it's the answer for, you know, a lot of these like very simple, uh, shops yeah. where you, where, you know, you read the recipes, they, they, you know, boil their stuff like an hour or two and it's not very sophisticated. Um, Ingredients, yeah, the answer is a lot of famous G. There you go. <laughs>
1: yeah, and um, yeah, it, it was pretty funny. Um, and at that point, I did, like I said before, like I didn't have any experience. I was just really a home cook, just having little ramen parties. But I brought that to him, and um, this was like August of 2020. And uh, I told him I would help him, like, put it on the menu so he could serve it. But I, so I'm on the jet program. I think, I don't know if a lot of people know what that is, but it's basically just um, an international English teaching program with Japan. It's not only America, but, you know, anywhere you're like a native English speaker. So I got accepted in like April, maybe, or May, I think May. I got accepted into the program in May after interviewing in February of 2020. Um, I was supposed to leave that fall, but I got delayed, which is why I was back home. And so I was like, I don't know what I'm leaving, you know. So I wasn't thinking about, let me get a job. I just, I had a job waiting. You know, I just graduated. I was kind of just riding the quarantine until I could leave. And my you know, the um, owner, he was like, yo, man, like, you could help me here. What else are you doing? Like, you know, that's a good point. I guess I'm not really doing anything. And we, I think we, we served our first our first night of service for ramen was like the first week of September of 2020 and we opened they, they were they had their whole hibachi and sushi like normal but they had, they had a whole withshoku kitchen you know they had whatever Japanese uh, katsu, you know katsu and udon gyoza you know your classics um, but they had shut that down for a while and this was just when restaurants are slowly kind of opening up again with covid and so we opened on a Friday and I sold like 25. We were open from like 5:30 p.m. to like 9 or 9:30. So like not very long, only dinner. And we sold like 25 bowls and I that was my first time. I was swamped. I was I was freaking out, you know. I was <laughs> I I was cooking on a in a pan all the chashu. Uh like kind of get them like a nice sear and there was a the pan wasn't that big. So I'm like I remember this very distinctly. I, I would cook like four or five pieces, and then you know get the ramen out, and then I'd have to clean the clean the pan, and then put it back, and then cook some more. And then cle- I was just kept cleaning the same dish, and having all these things like I had no rhythm, I had no idea what I was doing, you know, in a kitchen, it was a mess. But the ramen apparently was at least good, at least uh, edible, um, and uh, yeah, I was like so stressed. But it was um, such a good experience. Like I was addicted. Like that first service, I was like, "Man, I love this. This is so fun." And eventually, you know, started getting. And we we only had one ramen at that point. There was only one ramen on the menu, so I was making all the same bowls, no no changes. You know, maybe maybe a couple modifications here and there, but like same thing. And I was and I was uh, did not know what I was doing, but I, I got better and I made. You know changes and was able to get better improve things and i added five more bowls so there were six on the menu. um and there's there's it's still there it's still open um they still have ramen on the menu uh and then eventually you know i started doing specials um out of the kitchen because i got bored of making the same shit but that's pretty much the gist As I, as I just uh, explained in like 10 paragraphs, that's the gist of it.
0: (laughs) All right. I mean, that sounds like uh, quite the story from really just uh, eating Okinawa soba uh, that uh, was available uh, to you to making your own ramen at home to actually from scratch without no training, without no experience whatsoever starting to like sell ramen in a restaurant i mean i think that's pretty ambitious and that's a cool story i'm sure on that first day you learned a lot of lessons and i'm sure the second day looked very different
1: yeah maybe the next couple weeks (laughs) looked a little different but um yeah it was really i i never um i really never had a kitchen job like i said but now that i'm in japan teaching i really like it you know i i've been wanting to do this for a long time but um i do miss the kitchen a lot even though it's sweaty and loud and stressful i I really miss it
0: well if there's some english-speaking uh listener who uh runs a ramen shop here in japan i'm sure they'll uh they'll be able to hit you up and offer you at least a part-time job in a ramen shop here in japan
1: gotta be under the table of course though you know (laughs) because that's against my contract
0: all right okay i didn't say anything (laughs) that that was your like ramen making history uh by the way just a quick side question because i'm curious you said you you were making six bowls like was that like all unique bowls or like combinations of different soups and tares or how did you approach that
1: yeah i mean i don't want to i know this is like i don't want to get too deep into it but um yeah we started our kind of flagship bowl i guess you can say uh was the hakata tonkotsu ramen because well we were The name of our restaurant's Hakata, you know, even though all of the, most of the North Carolinians, you know, in the South, they, they they say Haikata, which kind of triggers me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I have never heard that. Yeah. Haikata
1: haikata and Haibachi. Hibachi, Um, not Hibachi. It's, but you know what? (laughs) Uh, Anyways, um, that was the first ramen and that was really all my boss. Like that's all he wanted. He was like so ecstatic, and it wasn't. I'm not gonna, you know, even pretend that it was like the best bowl in the world or, whatever, in the U.S. or anything. It was, it was a good bowl, and I think it was solid. I think that's it's fair to say that it was a decent, edible bowl. Of course, there was improvements needed, but like it was, it was fine, and he was happy with that. And I did what I went there to do. You know, I could have left le- next month, the following month, and everybody would have been happy, including me. But you know, I got delayed much longer so after i kind of tweaked a little bit i was like man people complain about i heard people you know i go out and i try to talk to people and see what they think and i want them to be honest you know hey what didn't you like like you're not going to hurt my feelings but i want to improve it so they're like ah well i don't eat pork which is weird because my state is one of the biggest it's like it's known for pork production like bacon and shit which is crazy but i was like okay people don't like pork they think it's too oily whatever, especially the older people, and especially the Japanese people, because I'm making it for Americans, you know, I got to adjust it to their taste, so I was like, all right, I think I can try to make a, like a shoyu, just a chicken shoyu ramen, and I tell, and I tell my boss, I'm like, hey man, I want to add another ramen, like, what do you think, he's like, man, we don't got a ramen kitchen, we got like a couple burners, and this small little, it's like a Japanese kitchen, there's like a very small kitchen in there. And I was like, "All right, let me let me just make a bowl for you, you know." So I serve him this bowl. He's like, "Holy shit, that's amazing! We gotta add that on the menu." And that that line right there just became his his quote. Like, if I knew that if I could convince him to try something, I'd be like, "Hey man, th- just just let me try. It. Let me just make you this bowl." He'd be like, all right, "All right, all right, whatever." And you know, if I know it's decent, he'll try. he be like, "Holy shit, we gotta add this to the menu." Um, so I added the show you the chicken show you. And as uh, so it was called Tokyo Tokyo show you. And then I added Sapporo miso and spicy miso. And then I convinced him to um, let me put a vegan ramen on there. That was what we served. That's what our regular menu is. Oh, for, I'm sorry. I forgot. We also have, have Naruto, Naruto ramen,
0: Naruto ramen. Is that for just weebs. like a lot of uh, fish cake on top?
1: <laughs> no. So, well, the biggest thing, the most difficult thing was making it, Making all of those in the least amount of ingredients possible. Like, what's how is how can we make this without making six different soups and six tares and making it complicated? So we had the miso tare for the, the Hakata ramen and obviously the Tonkotsu soup. So I added, you know, the only other thing was when I made the Tokyo, Tokyo Shoyu. We need to show you tare, really simple Tokyo, uh, really simple Shoyu tare, and the chicken soup. A chintan so that was all we needed to make two soups two tares and for the naruto um, since that's I mean it's kind of not really a real ramen uh, I mean I don't know I guess you could say it is but it's what's well, miso tonkotsu gyokai right but what I did was maybe I'm giving away my secrets here but <laughs> I was like just kind of hacking it. I put in half I uh, had some niboshi in it so a little bit of fish And I added some hondashi, and miso tare, and uh, the tonkotsu. So it had a different flavor than the regular hakata, a little bit lighter with not full miso. And yeah, I put fish cake on it, and the weebs lost their mind. It was our our most popular ramen. And it's, I mean, it's good. It's good.
0: Well, you know, in the end, it's a business. Whatever sells, sells. Um, The customer's always right and um what are you gonna do um i think we we can probably talk for hours about uh, ramen in america and I'm, i'm sure we'll we'll actually go back to that maybe in a different episode when we talk a little bit about stuff beyond japan um but let's maybe depart uh with one last question from america and then uh, come back to japan um the shop you mentioned in i think tampa was it yeah, that yeah. you've been going all the time are, are we allowed to know what the name of the shop is
1: yeah um it's called ichikoro and i want to say the chef i'm i'm blanking on his name right now i don't i don't like know him or anything uh but i i think he was on Man, I don't know, he was on some TV thing a while ago, I believe, I'm not 100% sure. I know they use Sun Noodles, um, and it's a, they've got more than one location. I've been to a couple other places around the Tampa area and have not been really impressed. I won't say names for those, <laughs> was really disappointed, but that place, that place, Ichikoro, is pretty good. Pretty solid ramen
0: yeah I can't so- say for sure if Ichikoro isn't also a brand or name in Japan if it's something that was exported because I, I, think I it feel is. like it is It's like with the with the chicken head or the big chicken or like something in their logo.
1: I think it might be unrelated and it's, I, I know the name is this is the same or similar mm. but I think don't quote me, but I think it's different.:
0: Okay, any case. Um, Ichikoro in Tampa florida yep that's the place to go yep all right then let's depart a little bit from america so you already said you are here now for the jet program but also as far as i know you're eating a lot of ramen
1: (laughs) i'm trying to
0: so then let's let's get into the main topic here today Uh, what was the last bowl of ramen that you had before coming onto this podcast
1: yeah uh, my last bowl of ramen was about two hours ago yeah um it was a Tonkotsu Gyokai Tsukemen, pretty solid. Um, actually, you went to Tomida the other day, and I was like, man, I I need some skimming." So it felt fitting to go today.
0: Do you know the name of the shop and where it is?
1: Uh, yeah, so I live in Takasaki, currently in Gunma. Um, so it was really close to me. Um, it's called yeah Minya Sakuragi.
0: Just for listeners who don't know... Um, that Takasaki is like, i an hour, an hour and a half, I think depends on which train you catch from central Tokyo. So it's a little bit out there. I think a little bit more rural, although Takasaki itself is a kind of like a, a central city of that area. So I guess there's like all services and all stuff is available there that you would find in a big city, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, Takasaki is it's right next to Mayabashi, which is the capital of, I guess the capital of of Gunma. And I mean, I live on the border, like right between the two. And I want to say the population of each of them is around like 360,000 or 370-ish, which half of, you know, one of those is the size of Tampa, where I previously lived. So to me, this is a very big two cities to live next to. But people in Japan are like, oh, you live in the Inaka. I'm like, I live in Takasaki. That's like kind of a big city
0: yeah but i i get what you're saying it's uh if if you've lived in the central tokyo then it is kind of countryside <laughs> so let's 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 talk a little bit about the the shop and the bowl that you you had um like how how did you come up with uh, like going there just um because you wanted to go for some tsukumen or what was special about it was it uh was it any good
1: it was very good i was since i've had i had tomita like really early and coming here, I want to say I think it was like the second week I was here I road tripped all the way to Machida, or Matsudo, sorry, Matsudo the original location and um, got there so I've been comparing you know, I had Funji and Ganja in um, Shinjuku and Koedo, Kawagoe I guess respectively Kawagoe, yeah. Um, so it, yeah um, so I've had, I've been hit you know, some skimmings to really test out, like, you know, how Tomita holds up is supposed to be the best. Um, and I think it still does, but, like, every, all of these sh- the shops that I mentioned, including the one I went to tonight, they're very good. Like, I, especially considering I drove a whole 12 minutes to get to this one uh, versus, I don't know, two and a half, three hours or, you know, more on a train. I would say this is a way better alternative than, than that. So I, I I mean, it was very good. Basically the, the chashu was very soft. The noodles were amazing. Um, the broth, I really like fishy broth. I'm pretty sure you do. You like, uh, like niboshi specifically, right?
0: Oh yeah, (laughs) absolutely.
1: Yes. I love, um, fishy broths. And so this was pretty nice and strong, you know? Um, like I think, uh, should be really strong like I, I i can't drink it that's that's what i like when it's like that
0: but did you also get the soup body at the end
1: no they, i didn't yeah i i wanted that um but i was kind of miserable full so i didn't even want to know like i wasn't even gonna ask they have 300 gram portion noodles that's like the normal apparently here at this shop they're known for like the the size, so I was feeling a little <laughs> gluttonous um, by the time I left. But I, actually, I I have um you know a little you know, small list of shops around me. a kind of medium-sized list, I guess. This was just um I was like, what's close by me that's not going to be too far that looks really good, and I kind of picked that one. There was a couple. I'm ch- trying to I'm trying to hit all of the above-average bo- um shops around me. So it's still, I think I've hit more bowls around Tokyo and outside of Takasaki than I have in Takasaki, but all of the ones I've had here have, I've been impressed with.
0: Well, that sounds good. Maybe that's uh, the new ramen region for all the ramen heads to visit and check out.
1: Um, I don't know about that. (laughs)
0: Um, Do you know if there's like any regional ramen out there? Anything that's like a specialty that you see all over the place?
1: So, yeah, I've been looking for, like, Gunma-specific stuff, and I haven't found, like, a style, per se, but I know that, um, Gunma is supposed to have, like, amazing pork. We're we're a really big distributor of pork, I guess. So, um, we... I I see all the time Gunma, you know, uh, Gunma pork chashu, and that's always a special, you know, add-on that I... I can't get enough of Um, it's really good usually when it's like that um, soft tender like sous vide style kind of rare which is you never see in America so I'm living it right now I may get sick of it eventually but right now I'm eating that every time
0: I think the regular ramen head life uh, is full of these cycles where you absolutely fall in love with something and then you get sick of it you, don't, you stop eating it for a while, and then after some time, you rediscover it and fall in love with it again. I think that happens to everyone with almost everything when it comes to ramen. <laughs> Recently, for example, uh, a lot of people have been like rediscovering their love for eak. When a couple of years ago, everybody was like, oh, "I don't want to e- eat eak; it's all over the place. You know, it's always the same." Suddenly, eak is the center of discussion when you talk to ramen heads. So it's it's interesting. You have those cycles, and it goes up and down. Let me let me get maybe to, to my shop because you already indicated and basically gave it away. Um, yeah, on Monday I actually went to <laughs> yeah I went to Tomita uh, or Chuka Soba Tomita. So the main store where actually Tomita-san, the I would say famous ramen chef, um, the main I'm not sure actor is the right word, the main focus of the movie Ramen Heads. Uh, is uh, making his famous skimen, and uh, yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about this shop because since I've been there the last time, the whole system has changed a lot, and um, yeah, I think it's it's relevant for people who want to go there to know what they have to do to actually visit. Um, because in the past, it was it was like this. Probably you don't know this system. Um, it was like you had to just go there as early as possible, uh, be at the shop. Uh, when they open at eight i think they were opening starting to sell tickets at eight but you had to be there at like especially on the weekends at like 6 30 or 7 and then stand in line and then you get your ticket you you buy buy your ticket you pay for your tickets and then you have to you know wait some more or you but at least you can go wherever you want um you know sit down in a starbucks and then around lunchtime you have your fixed time you come there you eat your bowl and you get out right and they completely abolished the system and they went fully um reservation only and it's all done through omakase or the website is omakase.in i don't know why they went with an i think it said indian uh, url i'm not sure um and currently i think there's at least two ramen shops on there uh it's the first one is tomita and the other one is ida shoten or the so-called highest rated ramen shop in japan um and i think probably by all means probably the best currently open ramen shop in japan um yeah but those are the two shops that are on there and my recommendation is um even before you consider uh, uh making a reservation and so on Uh, Just hit the like the reservation button uh, with some other restaurant and make all the registration. I think you need to enter like some password and I think also put in your credit card details and whatnot and so on. And then I think at the moment every Tuesday, I think Ida Shoten is 12 uh, lunchtime noon in Japan, a Japanese time and Tomita is 1230. Uh, They open up the next batch the next seven days of reservations. So at that time it opens for everyone. And then you got to be really fast to get the date that you want. I think Tomita is a little bit more relaxed than Ida Shoten. Ida Shoten is you basically have no chance. It's like all done in 2-3 minutes, it's all gone. And you have to be super lucky to get, you know, a, a ticket and the time that you want. Um Tomita is, I think, a little bit more relaxed, but you also got to be fast. Uh, it's better to know which days are, are possible. So if the, the date and date that you want to take is already taken and you have some alternatives and click around a little bit. But as soon as you have the, the date and the time selected, you, you will see a timer that tells you you have now five minutes to finish your order, your finish your uh, reservation. And I think there's a small fee of a couple of hundred yen. It's like, I don't know, a couple of dollars that you have to pay for the reservation, but it's very minimal, honestly speaking. And um, the actual payment is then done at the shop. So you, you enter your name, and then you, you roll up at the desired time. Uh, it's better to maybe come 10 minutes or so before the time. There will be a guy standing outside. He'll um, ask you for your name. You, you tell him your name, then he'll lead you to the vending machine. he tells you what you pre-selected but you can change your mind like uh, if you felt like hey i want to actually go for more noodles or i want to maybe add some some side dish or something like that um that is possible uh you can also i think i'm not sure about the toppings if you can add or deselect them because i think they have to prepare them in, in advance so here my recommendation is just go for the additional toppings that 1000 yen or whatever it costs these days, because it's just so fantastic. And uh, one other thing I want to talk about is the size of the noodles. And I think you, you mentioned just um, 300 grams is a lot of noodles. If you're not used to it, right, 300 grams is already a lot. Uh, I went for 350. This time I went for the Omori and personally speaking, I think that was a mistake. Um, <laughs> especially if you consider like all the chashu that you get there, you get like four different types of chashu and three of them come with like two pieces. You have like one really chunky piece of uh, pork belly. And then you have, uh, in addition to those four uh, types of meat, you also have a, a, a shumai, you know, these like uh, Chinese, I'm not sure how to explain those, but it's, it's not a gyoza. It's not a, it's not a dumpling really. It's just um yeah, you know, minced meat uh, surrounded by dough i don't know sure how to explain it but it's huge it's like almost like a, a fist-sized shumai right so that's that's pretty intense you, so you have like a lot of meat already right there and um yeah the the, the soup itself uh also quite substantial and heavy so my recommendation If you're not like really, really big person and you're consistently hungry after eating a big meal, uh, go for the normal. Um, If you're a smaller person, let's say, you know, um, you're not the biggest person with the biggest appetite. Then even going for like a smaller uh, portion that is like 200 gram is is absolutely sufficient, especially if you get the additional toppings. Um, They also have options to go for even more noodles they have a 450 gram and a 550 gram uh, noodle option i'm not sure who can a- eat that uh, i surely cannot i i was definitely at the limit of what i can do with the 350 gram and uh, the, topping, the the toxic topping the all you can get <laughs> topping but yeah uh, what did you get? Did you also get the, the the regular size or did you get the the bigger one or what did you go for when you went?
1: The big size with all of the... Wait, did I... No, I think I got the normal noodle size, but I got all the chashu and the shumai and I was quite full. Um, but I was like, I was fine. Like I got the, um, the yuzu broth, you know, to finish my soup uh, and I was still fine
0: yeah i i even had to leave some of that that broth at the end like the soup body um because i just the food was like up to you know my gullet (laughs) like i was just so stuffed (laughs) it was really it was really tough to like sit there and go like, I don't want to eat anymore. And I'm sitting in Tomita like, I'm, I'm just done. <laughs> like, I want to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so don't be me. Don't make that mistake. Don't go for the Omori. Just go for the regular size and you'll be very, very happy. Yeah, but maybe a, a couple of words to yeah. to the, the tsukemen itself. I mean, you you already then also got the Tokyo X uh, tsukemen, So that's the new recipe. The old recipe... Now, I think a lot of people know it's like this with this really dark skimen And uh, I think they're also a little bit darker looking noodles. Um, so that is the old one, which is still served at the shop next to Tokyo Station in the Kite shopping center. I think it's called Tomita Menban. And uh, it's interesting. It's a really big shop. Uh, all staff are female, all women. And uh, it's interesting, and the ball is really, really good. You can get go there at basically any time, and uh, you'll you'll get your ball quite fast, so that the line is fast moving. So that's a real recommendation if you're in a hurry uh, or you didn't get your reservation at Tomita. And the the current one is made with the so-called pork called Tokyo X. Apparently, that's like this new thing. I'm not sure if it's a new breed or what exactly they did there, but apparently, it's super good. And like all of the, the the chashu, all of the toppings are made with this pork. The soup is made with uh, pork bones made from that. Um, and um, now the the whole thing looks like a little bit more orangey, I would say, a little bit on the orange side, brown, orange-ish. And uh, this, the noodles are actually quite white. So I would say like with really uh, white flour made so like they changed the whole recipe and they also like renovated inside so if you watch the movie ramen heads it looks completely different inside so it's it's d- difficult to really recognize it uh, from the movie but it's super nice it's it's really bright inside and you can see so much in the kitchen like you can see tomita san prepare everything right in front of you so it's quite nice it's a quite nice look and yeah it's a tonkotsu gyokai that means uh, very heavy uh, very porky and very niboshi heavy uh, bowl of uh, thick tsukumen soup um i think like even hours later like my my burp still had a uh, niboshi aroma <laughs> so there's there's just a lot of niboshi in there but it's so good it's so so good And then the noodles are like super on the thick side. Um, They're so good. I mean, if I, if you would just put like a a plate of those noodles in front of me, like without any dressing, without any soup or or sauce or whatever, I would totally devour them. They're so good. And uh, I mean, about the the chashi, we don't even have to talk about. it. It's just perfectly executed. Uh, Every bite is a treat and all of them are a little bit different. They have like, as I said, four different cuts. It's uh, is it's just ramen master class right there. Um what did you think after your visit?
1: For about the chashu. So I I have uh said I have a couple of friends back home who kind of go through me and so I like to tell them about it, you know, so they can live a little vicariously. Um but what I said, my my um report was that like the chashu at Tomita is so good, and that much better than the other similar shops that I've had. Where like the noodles might be, you know, on par, and the soup may be on par, but the chashu it makes a huge difference. Like that definitely, I, I would say, separates some of the other places I've had. Even if they have good chashu, I think Tomita's is really amazing.
0: All right that's an interesting take um but i think that's the the tokyo x pork but for sure also he's uh, his his uh, techniques and the way he 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 looks at it yeah for sure uh, i can absolutely recommend it's not overhyped at all <laughs> in in my opinion you're not doing anything wrong
1: yeah i i agree did you feel i don't know if it was just because I had this kind of built up hype for two years. Because I watched Ramen Heads like around, I think maybe a a year after it came out. So it came out. No. Shit, it must have been a couple years. Anyways, I watched it like when I was making ramen. And I kind of had this anticipation for two years to come try it and come here and eat all this ramen. So when I first went there, I took took NinQ. So I took some time off and drove there on like a Tuesday. And. I got there like 7:30, and there was I was like the eighth person in line on a Tuesday.
0: Okay, so you you still <laughs> went with that system. Okay, understood.
1: Yeah, it was in March, I think. So I don't know when they changed it, but no idea. That, so I, I was that was news to me when you were talking about the um, what's what's the website called? Uh, omakase. Oh, my, oh, okay. Omakase. Dot yeah, that was, that was new to me, but I was super intimidated when I finally got there. I got like one of the first times, so I was in the first seating at 1030 or whatever it was, 1130, something like that. I walked in and I, I just, like you said, the shop inside is completely different and yeah, it there was like some nice light music playing and everything is just so like elegant and the wood in there is amazing and I don't know the the kitchen being raised and Tomita just standing there so calm and just making all of the stuff was like very I don't know I, it was very awe I was very awe inspired and intimidated by this bowl that I was about to eat it was um, very interesting atmosphere
0: yeah you definitely don't want to fuck up in front of Tomita-san <laughs>
1: Let, um, <you> know, no <laughs> make some big yeah. blunder I don't know yeah because like yeah. I was like I I am don't forget the Japanese that you know you know like, my japanese is okay but uh i was like don't don't just like blank on words if they ask you a question don't be like uh 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 you know omizu you want some water i'm like uh uh <laughs> hi yes yes please
0: i i get the idea that uh you know i also felt that a little bit that you know you feel a little bit starstruck and a little bit nervous but uh honestly speaking like uh yeah, there is. I think the beginning is a little bit tense until they get all the balls out and then you feel definitely some of that the tension go away. And uh, yeah, he even had like a, a quick chat this time, you know, just like a couple of words exchanged uh, with me and some of the other guests. So, that's, you know, it's not as, uh, as tense as you would expect and as you might know from other shops around um, where it's like tense all the time yeah but uh so that was uh tomita um yeah i'm still uh reeling from that experience and then it was my second time there um and second time having that one and i mean i have been to the uh, other shop um and i can also say that all the instant ramen that have the tomita name on it like there's f- f- frozen tomita ramen there's in like the instant cups there's instant whatever all of it is good so whatever this man touches is just gold i mean i'm I'm not sure if he makes a lot of money with it but like all of it is just good food and i i I think like he has a lot of um i'm not sure say i want to say like respect or like uh, whatever but he yeah he has an eye for quality and i don't think he uh, gives his seal of approval uh if it's not up to his standard yeah, sorry, I really, really appreciate that.
1: Oh yeah, I I totally agree. No, that's a good point.
0: Then going away a little from Tomita, I think we talked a lot about that <laughs> enough. Um, did you have a bowl recently that stood out for you, like something that you would like to highlight?
1: Yeah, so I, again, I, I feel like I've gone a little over um, keeping it, you know, succinct here, but um, I the past six months I've had like I don't know maybe seventy bowls, which probably seems light compared to many of the you know crazy ramen heads here. But I've been yeah about seventy in six months, uh, so I'm not not too bad. And I would say from from that there's several bowls or several kind of things that uh, I would say are highlights. So it's like somewhat recently.
0: You got to pick out one for today.
1: I'll I'll have to say, uh, like Doroke, the Niboshi ramen. I have never, I had, uh, I wanted to try, I think it's Ibuki.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the one with, uh, like the massive amount of Niboshi in it.
1: Yeah. And I, that place was closed when I was around the area. So I ended up going to a different shop, um, and that was my first. That was my first niboshi style, because uh, it's just absolutely non-existent in America. I tried making it once. I mean, just off of like what I I understood of, of it, but I'm I'm assuming it was not really wasn't really like it. But that the intensity of the niboshi, I it was very very. I, I love it. I, that if you've never had, if you like the cement style, or okay. Niboshi Ramen, you have to try it once. It's amazing.
0: And which shop did you go to?
1: Um, I went to Noboru. I think it's it's like in between Adachi and Katsushika.
0: So on the east side of Tokyo.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's out there. Um, I was coming back, I picked up my friend from the airport And was coming. I was like, hey, uh, we can get some ramen on the way back. And kind of made an excuse to go out of the way.
0: It's kind of a mean bowl to take somebody who is not maybe as much into ramen (laughs) or who doesn't know what they're getting into.
1: Yeah, it was funny because she doesn't love fish also. (laughs) So it was pretty funny.
0: So how did she deal with it?
1: I, I told her, I was like, so, you know, since I'm coming out here to pick you up, you know, it's two and a half hours away or two hours away. You know, you want to get some ramen. We're out here. She's like, Yeah, sure. Cool. I'll get some ramen. It's like, All right, I really want to go to this one shop. She's like, Yeah, sure. It's like, All right. So after we're in the car and we're headed there, I'm like, Just to let you know, it's a Niboshi ramen. She's like, Um, All right. It's like, Look, if you don't like it, I'll pay for it. We'll go somewhere else. But I think you might like it. And she ended up liking it enough. Like, she was like, Oh, this is actually good surprisingly so
0: how were the niboshi flavors was it like very bitter or like on the more like sweet and savory side how would you describe it to some people who never had uh maybe niboshi or even this kind of style of niboshi ramen
1: it was definitely bitter like it wasn't overly bitter um and i don't even know how to describe like coming from someone who hasn't who didn't have this bowl you know three months ago um, like I literally just had this very recently uh, I, it's not bitter like you you think of bitter like maybe like, like Goya or bitter melon you know like that's it's not so intense like that it's really hard to describe the bitterness uh, and the, the fishy like almost not quite smoky but like because of the shoyu I think it's very umami packed very fishy very bitter but somehow it works really well like it's not out of balance at all. Like you would think.
0: Alright, That sounds like something I should check out sometime. Sounds yeah. really like uh, it's up my alley. Very good. So I'll keep that one in mind. And uh, of course, to everybody who's listening, I'll put all the shops down in the show notes or in the description, or it, it really depends what it's called on where you're listening to podcasts um but let me tell you about one shop i would like to highlight um i think i think that one is a quite interesting one um so there is a shop in azabu juban um that is like right next to dopongi which is quite famous for like nightlife and azabu juban is more like a restaurant area but also lots of restaurants izakayas um lots of uh yeah places to drink essentially And uh, this shop is run by uh, Takumi or Takumi-san. The shop is called Takumi or Ramen Takumi. And it's just one or two minutes uh, away from the station, basically. Just a few steps away. And this interesting thing is um, the shop is only open from 9 p.m. until 5 a.m. So it's late night only. And the shop is only open when takumi-san is there and um even before you go into the shop you already know what takumi-san looks like because his face is really big on the yellow um sign that he has in front of his store so it's it's really hard to miss and once you're inside and you see the guy you know you're in the right shop because he looks exactly like the the sign out on front and he's like this this small Bald guy, a bald guy with a with glasses and these like really thick um, metal-looking earrings. So it's a, really like a character. You don't get a lot of the type or uh, these types um, in in Japan. So it's like easily recognizable. And uh, the interesting thing is, uh, apparently he was used to be part of the ramen Kazuki group, which is uh, a quite old. A group of ramen shops that was super popular, I think, like in the 70s and 80s, and um, they are doing uh, something that's called cha cha ke, um, which is a well. The the defining feature is that they're uh, spraying or like shaking uh, with the cha cha motion, or with the sh- the sound is uh, called that they're making. Uh, they're sprinkling pork back fat all over the top of um your bowl of ramen so you have whatever bowl of ramen you have um is 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 filled with like floating bits of buttery pork back fat that is like super soft and gives like everything like a a creamy texture whenever you slurp it up and uh, this is combined at takumi with i would say like a rather light bowl of ramen but you get those um taishoken style huge bowls solidly massive and i think also the portions are very very generous but the the soup is itself is is quite light i think that's a a pork and chicken uh bowl potentially a double soup but you have like a lot of like dashi flavors come through and i went for the shio and it's it's just such a good uh you know pick me up bowl that's just the exact bowl you want to have after a long night of drinking or just, you know, after a couple of uh, drinks, too many. And whatever time you walk in, you will actually find some, you know, from drunk to like very, very drunk people in that shop. Uh, I've read some reviews and actually I've been there also when uh, there have been like people sleeping on the counter. So that's not uh, terribly uncommon to see that there. Yeah, but I would say that, that place is the king of late night ramen. Yeah, around Juban, and uh, definitely worth a visit if you're in the area and you had a couple of drinks. Yeah, ramen takumi is a place to check out. And um, yeah, I think that's uh, all, all I wanted to say about uh, takumi. Have you been there?
1: No, but I, as you were telling me about it um, or talking about it, I looked it up and it's funny. What, as you were saying, the, the owner, like it's hard to miss because you know what it looks like. The sign, it's I, 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 on the photos you can see, it's pretty funny. Like it's literally him. It looks yes, exactly yes. like him.
0: He looks just like that. And I think there's on <laughs> Google Maps, if you click through the, the, the pictures a little bit, I think there's a picture of him. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah you can't miss it.
1: <laughs> no, it's, Yeah.
0: And it's, he's such a character.
1: Yeah. I'm adding this to my potential, very, very soon visits.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's pretty cool. Um, also, a, a piece of ramen history. I think he was the one running the Ebisu shop of uh, Kazuki, and then I think he went independent, wanted to do his own thing. And uh, I mean, I I guess he must be a night person, otherwise he probably would not have these kind of opening hours. Yeah, but it's it's really interesting. Uh, it's definitely something a little bit different from like, you know, your old chukasoba shops. Um, definitely a, a, a shop with a lot of character, with a lot of style. And yeah, if you're uh, a party person um, or a heavy drinker and you you like the central areas of Tokyo, of Roppongi or Azabu-Juban, then yeah, definitely make a visit to uh, Takumi. So looking a little bit into the future, Uh, what are the bowls or like, do you have like one bowl that you're specifically looking forward to anything that you have planned, maybe making your own pop-up or something like that in the future?
1: So for, uh, well, bowls for eating, um, tomorrow I'm going to Tokyo. I'm going to be staying in Ikebukuro with some friends and we're going to see sumo. So I will be definitely eating some bowls this weekend. Uh, as far as making ramen, um, I've surprisingly had a little bit of trouble sourcing ingredients for making, um, but I finally found like whole chickens, sababushi, some good sea salt, etc. And there is an izakaya that I go to really frequently, pretty good friends with the owner, and I want to propose to him very soon about potentially doing something like a small pop-up or something. Because it has been now six months since I've made, like, ramen from scratch, everything, so.
0: When that plan is set, please let me know, and we'll talk about uh, your pop-up and what you're planning to do there, uh, here on the podcast.
1: For sure, sounds awesome.
0: All right, and then, yeah, first of all, thank you very much for coming on this podcast. Um, Do you have, like, any Instagram, website, YouTube, whatever you want to plug?
1: Yeah, I do have youtube but i, I was very uh, i was very um eager when COVID first hit i came out with a couple of videos and pretty much haven't uploaded much since uh 2020 ish 2021 just because i it's exhausting and for everyone i didn't really understand you know all you guys who make all the ramen content and i know that uh brian has talked about it a little bit in the past about just like being exhausted from making Making so many videos all the time, and I think even on 5 a.m. ramen, talking about the backlog and stuff, that's just massive. Just because it takes a lot of effort. Um, but I do have a YouTube, and it's Ramen Bay, and I'm also on TikTok, as actually my username on TikTok is Japarican.
0: Okay, the Japarican. right? Yes. And on uh, Instagram, it was Ramen Bay 11. You said uh, Ramen Bay, just Ramen Bay was already taken.
1: <laughs> yep, unfortunately. So yeah, the uh, Ramen Bay 11 on Instagram.
0: Well, that's just how it goes sometimes. That's why I'm also Nama Japan TV on Instagram, <laughs> I think.
1: Am I? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, think think so. that's, I think that's, <laughs> I think that's yeah, correct. And I
0: think the regular Lama Japan is uh, either not in use or it's this uh, weird uh, French restaurant. I know there is also something called Nama Japan in France, a French Japanese restaurant or something like that. You know, that's just how it goes sometimes. It is. Okay. (laughs) And yeah, again, thank you very much for coming on. And uh, yeah, that's all for episode number seven of the ramen in Japan podcast. If you like, yeah, this podcast and this episode, then drop a rating, subscribe and whatever you have to do on the platform that you're listening to. Uh, my name is Sebastian, aka Nama Japan. Check out my Instagram, Nama Japan TV, and I'm also on YouTube uh, as J- regular Nama Japan. And I think I also have a website, namajapan.tv. So there's a lot of Nama and a lot of TV and lots of Japan all over the place. And yeah, that's all for today. Thanks for listening until next time.